Welcome to Access On Air, a podcast made for and by young journalists, creators, and activists. My name is Romeo Morales. I'm 21 years old, and I'm a journalist and music educator. We'll be sharing about the stories we've all written in the past week. Uh, if you guys would like to describe them stories and everything else. I'm Julian. I'm uh, 23 years old, almost, and a um, recent graduate of UC Santa Cruz. I've been with Access on and off for the past few years. And the story that I wrote about recently was about um, the police reform that was happening in the wake of all of the protests that have been ongoing since the death of George Floyd. Hi, I'm Julia Sidley. I'm 17 years old. I am a recent graduate of West Campus High School. And I wrote this week about the Saxby Unified Student Advisory Council and the work they're doing in our community. Uh, my name is Luis. I am 21 years old. And this week I went to an event uh, called the Hope Event um, which it stands for healing ourselves, praying effectively, and um, it was just primarily focused around uh, mental health and things like that in times like this. Awesome. And uh, we're missing our other person who's always in here, Mel, the manager of what we do. Yeah, I usually just refer to her as my boss. <laughs> kind of the same way. She definitely uh, puts in a lot of work for us. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, though, you guys. Awesome for everyone being here i'd like uh, to start asking have you guys completed your census i have not i have i did it for my family i also did it for my family <laughs> awesome uh for the listeners that didn't know the census survey is brought to light every decade the information is collected to inform businesses and lawmakers and also to allocate the fundings towards local organizations and facilities that need it most so it could go from head counts kind of like uh, how many like how many people in your residence. Right now it is being held by SAC Youth in Action. There's a contest for um, spreading and kind of helping inform people about census. Uh, the contest is whoever can create a video or a written body of work, the easiest way to portray, I guess, census in a whole, if you were to able to put that out and then send it to SAC Youth in Action. They are an organization. They have an Instagram. Um, pretty sure the link will be there as well. They are doing this contest and whoever wins, there's three different winners that can be and you get certain prizes. This is going until the 30th. So about a few 12 days left until then. But uh, yeah, right now I've been kind of like getting everyone informed to have the census completed because like three weeks before this, I just completed mine too, which is funny. I'm kind of happy to gather this story because it's given me a lot more into the subject and in tune with what people are kind of doing and how everyone's being spread, especially with uh, SAC Youth in Action. I think they're a really good voice of the youth right now to kind of push that forward. Uh, the competition and census in a whole is kind of the article that I just turned in mm-hmm. uh, because the SAC Youth in Action, they're giving away three big prizes and they have a really big following on Instagram. So it's kind of interesting to see the whole community come together and put on something like that. So why are they, uh, do you know why they're hosting the competition? Like what's what what is their reasoning for like why the census is important <laughs> for those who um well you know it it affects all of us uh like i said it's going to be where all the allocated money is going to and again the head counts and getting people informed as well with uh their instagram profile is just kind of the thing i'm guessing just kind of keep promoting and getting the youth more involved into politics and just the easier side of um instagram is based on informing the youth Mm-hmm. And they're to run by the youth as well, just multi- like multiple of them, not just one person behind Instagram making stories. Right. Uh, it's a really big organization, kind of. 
And so, you know, just paying homage and respecting and helping them out as well, because the idea of the next generation getting us formed just as much as we are is just as important too. Right. I think SAC Youth and Justice is a super awesome organization, especially the way they use their social media to reach out to such a broad audience is super impressive. Um, just like starting with a bunch of projects pertaining to the census and just raising awareness and social media campaigns, they've gotten so many folks on board. And there are so many of my peers that have learned about the census through this organization. And I think the work they do is super awesome and important. Awesome. Thank you, Julia. Uh, if you'd like to take on to the next story. Let's go. Um, so kind of similarly to the topic of youth and activism and civic education, um, last week, the Sac City Unified School District Student Advisory Council hosted a Zoom call for high school students to discuss their roles in the movement for Black Lives, as well as the methods of coping and healing. Um, I was on the call, and then I reached out to the Sac City Unified Board representative. Her name is Olivia Ang Olson. Uh, to discuss the work the advisory council and specifically young people in their communities have been doing. Um, we talked a lot about like the care closet they, that the council had been working on and a lot of other things. And this healing space that they tried to create last week and they did a great job of was super impressive and important. And I just kind of wanted to ask you all, we're all young people. What do you think is so special about bringing young people into social movements? I think that from a younger age to maybe like early adulthood you're very in tune with what's happening in the world around you and you feel like you're part of the generation that is coming into the world and your eyes are sort of being open because you're like your brain is developing and you're able to take in more information um and so people i think have a tendency around that age to become more interested in the world around them and feel like they can effectuate more change at that age because they're sort of part of a, a larger movement of people around that age that are also inspired and believe that they can take action and are interested in things going on in the world. And I think that feeling tends to decline a little bit with age. Um, but I think that that kind of spirit or that vigor is important to have specifically younger people bring to uh, groups and movements. Yeah. I, um, I also just think that young people not always, but a lot of the times tend to be more in tune with what what the world needs right now for the future, more so than older people do. Um, because I feel like, uh, in my experience, a lot of older folks, when I have political discussions with them or discussions about social issues with them, a lot of them um, are very much like still living, they still act as if it's when they were my age, you know, rather than it being like right now, like they still act like it's like the eighties or the nineties or the seventies, even um, mm -hmm. discussing these things. Whereas younger kids usually are able to, to discuss it in a light that is a lot more current, you know? Also true. I think it's kind of like a same thing. Like when you're like raising a child, you know, if you feed them so much sugar and candy from the beginning, it's kind of like you accumulate themselves to having more of that. Uh, same thing with knowledge and information. If you feed them the right and good information, some people take it up on their own and others kind of fall into different groups. That's what uh, I feel like high school and middle school really helps with finding different cliques and groups and uh, studies that you really like. And I feel like this is just kind of the same thing where uh, if someone really feels really strong towards it 
And uh, if you put them in the right light, like I have uh, Fisco, who we interviewed before. I've seen him at, uh, at different protests here and there, bringing his daughter. She's only like six years old, like seven years old. And she's understanding what's going on. So I feel like that just kind of correlates with if you push the youth or even give them a, what's the word, a demonstration of what organization really is to get what you want. Um, I think that's really the best route. And they attach to that because they feel a bond with that special need, whatever it may be. Yeah, most definitely. Um, Julian, do you want to move on? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> this week I covered the police reform that happened in the wake of all the protests. And it's happening across the country at the city level, at the county level, um, and recently at the federal level. The federal police reform has focused the bill that was passed on or signed on, uh, I believe Tuesday was focused a lot on retraining officers um, or focusing on like changing training tactics, but it didn't have any kind of policy changes like a ban on chokeholds, which um, has been popular in a lot of um, city legislation, uh, changing city legislation uh, as it was the you know cause of death of George Floyd. Um, and so, uh, it's come under a bit of criticism for not the federal, uh, piece of legislation has come under a bit of criticism for not being sweeping enough for not, um, being significant enough in comparison to some of the other, uh, locales that are taking some kind of change or more at a more significant level. Um, and the other thing that I thought was important about this was that there was a, a Reuters poll that came out that seemed to show a majority of Americans independence of political party seeming to support both the protests and um, police reform in the wake of it. So it does seem to be to a fairly substantial degree, a bipartisan issue. And uh, I think there's a lot of expectation right now that the police are going to change in a significant way. Do you guys have any thoughts on police reform and like to what degree that uh, you, you see, you think that reform should be made? Yeah, I actually, um, I want to talk a little bit about how it's a bipartisan issue because I have, um, I try to surround myself with a very like diverse group of people. And that includes people that are like super like right wing Trump supporters, because I want to be able to still mm -hmm. be aware of those opinions, you know? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, I have a I have a really good friend that the the longest time that I've known him, he's always been Trump supporter. He's all he's been uh, in the police academy since he was like 14 or 15 uh, in the like cadet program. Um, and he's always been like all over that kind of stuff. And this, everything that's been going on lately has made him rethink his entire worldview, uh, which I was really surprised by because the, like literally the entire wow. time I've known him, he's always been on the, on the opposite side of me of these kinds of discussions. Um, and this was the thing that kind of like brought it, brought him more to the center, I guess. Um, and I thought that that was really interesting. And I'm curious, uh, as I like talk to more people that are usually on that side, how many people are actually also upset about this, you know, and like really are going to push for change, you know? Uh, yeah. 
because it, it really like blew me away because we I, I didn't even like I didn't bring it up in discussion with him he just brought it up and he was like yeah I really don't feel the way the same way about the police force especially in Sacramento that I used to and I was like oh geez wow yeah um so yeah I think that I think that it will happen the police reform will happen and I think it'll it'll be better for uh for the future going forward um i think a lot of people i, I think we're going to see a lot of change and i think we're going to see a lot more restrictions put on police um but i think that they're going to be mostly beneficial um mm-hmm. but yeah that's that's all i wanted to say <laughs> one of the things that um they've that has been a bit controversial has been the disbanding of the minneapolis police force mm-hmm. which has only happened to my knowledge, at least in one other city in the country, which was in Camden, New Jersey in 2013. Um, they disbanded the police force in the wake of uh, like high crime rates. And they used a uh, county police force instead of a city police force. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any thoughts or anyone have any thoughts on how, what they think of disbanding a police force? Well, that's great. Oh, uh, you can, uh, <laughs> I was just say it's that's always a touchy subject because uh, everyone would like to feel protected, but especially in these times, these are just the most trying times uh, to to disband a police, to even just pull apart something that's has a lot of infrastructure that millions go into. Once you like, as you were just pulling up that example of New Jersey, once you take one one part of it out, something has to fill in that puzzle piece, and it could be a thousand times worse. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, we never really know. Because hopefully we all, we're all on the right track. And uh, with police reform, as you were just giving that example, you take one piece out, something's going to need to fill it. And that's the scary part is uh, we all don't know what it is. Um, I was going to ask, uh, did, do you have any information about how that worked out in New Jersey? Because I never even had heard about that. You said it happened in 2010? Yeah, same. I never heard of it. That's crazy. Yeah, it happened in 2013. Um, it they had uh, they formed a county-based police force instead for Camden County, and then I believe about half of the officers from the city police force transferred over to the county police force. So it was like there wasn't a department in the city itself, but the city could call in and the county police would come over. I don't think that this is quite what is being envisioned by. Um, some of the protesters that are calling for like defunding the police, for example, uh, it, it seems to me that a lot of those calls are trying to get like a community based group in instead, rather than replacing one police force with a different police force. Yeah, well, It's funny when you, um, when you think about it like that, cause that's how a lot of the gangs were started in back in the sixties and seventies, the Crips and stuff, they were, their history is built on just protecting themselves from the police, black Panther party, especially like, all those are mm-hmm. really kind of connected. It's, it's just funny because it's almost history repeating itself. Yeah. Well, actually, I, I was talking about this the other day with um, with uh, Crystal, my girlfriend, um, that this happens every 30 years. Uh, like every every generation uh, of um, of young people in the United States always has their like anti-police moment. And it just keeps repeating itself over and over again because it happened in the in the fifties and the sixties during the civil rights movement um, and the Vietnam War, and then it happened again in the nineties with Rodney King, and now it's happening again in twenty twenty, which is almost exactly thirty years after 
Rodney King. So it's like, it's <laughs> like the problem might be the police, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but I, I like the idea of, um, of a community police force, but more so in the sense of not necessarily disbanding the police, but, um, but having, having officers that are from the communities that they are patrolling, if that makes sense. Like, um, I forget where I saw this, but I saw a news story a long time ago, uh, where there was a city or a County that implemented this, where police officers had to live in the communities that they were going to be patrolling. So then they would get to know the community, they would get to know the people and they'd be a lot more comfortable. Cause I think what happens a lot of the time is you send a police officer like here in Sacramento, you send a police officer that lives in land park into Northgate and they have to patrol Northgate. And then that creates a huge problem because obviously if you're from land park, you don't know the Northgate area and it can seem very intimidating to you if you're not from there. Right. So I think that it makes a lot more sense to make an officer live in the Northgate area and also patrol the Northgate area because then they know the people, they know like that what happens in this neighborhood and they can handle the situations a lot better. Um, and they just have more information Definitely. to work with, I guess. Or like they even live in the same city. Like Lamb Park is a good example, but there are officers that live in like Folsom or something, for example. Yeah, like, they come down to Sacramento. There needs to be a level of transparency between the police and the public, too. Um, one thing that I've noticed that's really consistent in a lot of police videos definitely. is they, when, uh, of those videos where police officers are doing things that they shouldn't be doing, um, is the main thing that's consistent through all of them is they always withhold as much information from the person that they're talking to as they can. You always see those videos of people that are like, am I being detained? And mm. the officer just continues to say, get out of the car, get out of the car, please step out of the car without answering mm. their question. When it would be so much easier to just say, yes, you are being detained. This is the reason why, please step out of the car. And now now you have this person who, who doesn't know what's going on. And like the fear of the unknown is bigger than any other fear that there could be, you know? Um, so it's like, of course, the person's not going to want to step out the car when, especially when you're a police officer who in, in a society where police officers have been shooting people lately, I wouldn't want to get out of my car without knowing what the reason that I have to get out of my car. I don't, I've never understood why police officers can't just be straightforward. You know, it's always like deviation tactics of not letting the person know exactly what's going on. And just to kind of go off what everyone was saying about, like, the calls to, like, disband the police and how, like, some things could be, like, the police by a different name, something that I've read a lot about that I think is also super important is kind of discerning in what instances the police should be called and in what instances other methods of law enforcement could be effective. Like, we live in a world where the same people are going to respond to, like, a broken taillight and an armed robbery. Yeah, that's true. And there are certain responses that, like, at what point, like, what do you expect to happen from that, you know? So do you think that having, either on a federal level or a state level, having just, like, a um, like a mechanic, like, or, or not, a, not necessarily... Mechanic. Yeah, or even having, like differences between like traffic patrol and the actual police force right. or things like mental health task forces that would actually respond to instances where maybe like law enforcement isn't entirely necessary and things like social workers especially for like homeless people who are being criminalized you know like just kind of different things are needed in different situations and I think when we use the police force as kind of a like fix all to all social problems a lot of 
issues are going to in turn arise from that? Yeah, in Sacramento, they just actually announced that there is going to be a mental health task force, like you mentioned, that's going to field mental health related 911 calls. Yeah, that's, that's what I was talking about. I was just reading about that. And yeah, I think that's a super important model that seems almost like common sense, you know? Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of getting people to actually do their job up top. <laughs> yeah. So I went to, uh, it, they, they called it a HOPE event. Um, and that, like I said earlier, that stands for Healing Ourselves, Praying Effectively. Um, and it was hosted by a church. Uh, I couldn't get any information about which church was hosting it, uh, ironically enough. But they had, uh, they had a pastor there from, uh, from some local church that was, uh, that was like the host of the event. So he was introducing everybody and having the speakers come up and things like that. It was a religious event as much as it was a community event. Um, like they even said multiple times that uh, they they want to welcome people from other religions there because it was uh, Christian. Uh, Christianity was the main uh, was what the pastor who was there practiced. Um, but multiple times they mentioned like this is for the community. It's not for particularly our church. Like if you want to come to our church afterwards, you're everyone's welcome. But you know, you, you don't, you're not required to be a part of the church to be here. And if you're a part of another religion, that's totally fine. Like this is more so about the community than it is anything else, um, which I thought was really cool. Cause I, I personally am not religious. Um, and so it, it feels nice to be like welcomed in a space where it's very heavily religion focused, you know? Um, and there was, there was lots of praying, there was lots of group praying and stuff and I participated in it and it was overall a really like beneficial experience. Um, and it was, it was cool. It, uh, they, it was mostly focused on, uh, on mental health, um, which is nice to like be around a group of people that are all concerned with everyone else's mental health. But it was also really nice because everyone that was concerned about it seemed very like genuinely concerned, you know, about, about everyone else and, and also themselves and, uh, and the people in their community which was a nice like change of pace because I've been to plenty of like mental health events and things like this where people are just talking about mental health because it's trendy and it comes off as very disingenuine and you can tell that they don't really struggle with these things themselves, you know? Um, but this one was very like genuine and everyone there was very like into it and interested. And it wasn't just a, a thing that they were hosting because mental health is like a trend right now, you know? Um, and then, uh, and then on top of that, uh, it was really nice to have um, there. So, because it was a public event and it was con it was considered a public gathering, um, the uh, sheriff had to be there because um, with all the protests and everything going on, I guess it's just a requirement right now. Um, or someone someone like briefly explained it to me why the sheriff had to be there. Um, but basically, there were I think two cop cars that pulled up uh, or three and there was like five or six uh, officers there total. And um, at first it, for me, I, you know, I'm sitting there with my camera and I was very tense at first because these are two very opposite ideals because on one side, everyone is, is complaining about the police department and, uh, and they're very upset with the police department. And on the other side is the police department. <laughs> um, so at first it was very tense and I was very like, like what's going to happen, you know, like how, how is this going to go down? And um, almost immediately the, uh, the police officers arrived and they were introduced by the pastor um, and the police officer came up and spoke to the crowd and 
almost immediately they just meshed in with the crowd and started helping with the event and like everyone was very friendly with each other um and it was it was like they were just part of this group you know it wasn't they weren't police officers they were part of the community which is what i think is like a really important thing to have right now and what we should be pushing for going forward um and so it was just a really overall like beneficial event that i think showed how the community can come together uh in a, in a way that isn't negative at a time where everything seems to be negative you know that's cool yeah, that's pretty yeah that's awesome enlightening rather than all the negative stuff as you said earlier mm-hmm. awesome well uh that's all we have for today's podcast guys uh be sure to follow us on facebook and instagram at access local and visit accesslocal.tv to read more of our content as well and uh that's all we have today folks see you next time <laughs> awesome thank you guys so much for uh holding it down for us yeah no problem